The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. Welcome to episode 18 of the Infertility Podcast. The month of October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Last week, we had Woody on the podcast, and he provided the male perspective of um, pregnancy loss, his thoughts, his experiences, what to say, what not to say, and that sort of thing. So it was really great to have him on um, to give us that male vantage point, uh, because sometimes the males are, you know, a little bit forgotten in uh, this season of infertility, of pregnancy, and or infant loss. And this week, I am happy to have Bonnie on this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Welcome, Bonnie. What's up, everybody? (laughs) Yes. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here and and have honest conversation because that's what we need more of in this topic is honest conversation. Yeah. Welcome. Hello. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Definitely. And so I think last um, podcast um, episode, uh, Woody spoke of Bonnie, or we didn't say the name, but Bonnie, who um, is his, I think he stated his work accountability partner. So Bonnie. (laughs) That is is a fact right there. Yes, yes. So Bonnie, if you can um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, anything that you want to say about your personal life, professional life, um, career, you know, just a little bit about you before we get into the interview today. Sure, sure thing, sure thing. So I am a Floridian born and raised. Um, That's something that's always good to know about me. I speak pretty quickly at times with people like, you from New York? I'm like, no, South Florida. Um, So I'm from (laughs) South Florida, born and raised. I grew up in uh, an area called Lake Worth. Um, which I absolutely loved growing up where I grew up. I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood. And so um, I, I believe that that is the culture of that area is definitely a huge part of who I am today. Um, but I never thought I'd go to college. And so mm. after um, high school, I was like, you know what? College might be a move. And my mom kind of laughed a little bit when I told her I wanted to go to college. <laughs> uh, just because I'm a first-generation college student, that was never really a thing. Growing right. up, it wasn't really an option. And so um, some way, somehow, I got into a university, and I went to Florida Gulf Coast University, um, which is still in South Florida, just the other coast from where I grew up. Um, went there, got my degree in four and a half years. I had a really good time while I was there. <laughs> joined a Greek letter organization, joined joined a sorority, um, which kind of transformed into my career. Um, so after I went to, to undergrad there, I went to graduate school at Bowling Green State University um, in Ohio, the middle of nowhere, Ohio, um, which for the sake of this, that is where I met my partner. Um, my now partner is uh, in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. I didn't know, you know, Ohio bred them that good looking. So, hey, but anyway, um, <laughs> so I, I was there for two years. Realized I didn't love the snow uh, and came halfway back to Florida. And now I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I serve as the Associate Director of Fraternity and Sorority Life at UNC Charlotte. Um, So kind of something I joined on a whim in college really did become my career and my passion. Uh, And outside of that, a little bit of what I do, I'm also a professional speaker. So I speak with an agency called For College, For Life. I'm also their Chief Culture Officer and kind of 
help align values and accountability with, with company standards and that sort of thing. So um, the topics I speak on are sexual assault, women's empowerment, and building community. Um, and I absolutely love that part of what I get to do. So that's a little bit about me. Um, in my very rare free time, I get to hang out with my partner uh, in Charlotte, renovate our 65-year-old house, and kind of live life and do some fun things with our two dogs um, and our now one-month-old daughter. Um, yes. So yeah, it's kind of been all over the place recently and in the last couple years of, of processing infertility and a little bit of that but mm -hmm. you know this is a, a part of the journey and so my career is a huge part of who I am and so I think it's important to pay an homage to that as well so that's a little bit about me um, a little bit about who I am and kind of where I've come from and hopefully where I'm going awesome thank you so much for sharing of course so you stated that you met your partner um what in your graduate um, years, right? Or when I you went did. to Ohio. Uh, okay, so how long have you been married? So I've been married now for just over five years. February, uh, this past February, we just celebrated our five-year wedding anniversary. Um, yeah, it, wow. I felt like I blinked and time went by that fast. That's how it is. 14. Like real talk, you know what I mean? When you're married to somebody you actually enjoy spending time with, I'm like, oh, you're you're cool, you're fun. I don't, you know, get annoyed by you or whatever. <laughs> you know, some days, some days I might, you know, a little little little, little annoyance here and there, but you know, um, whatever it is. And so, yeah, I feel like I blinked in five years, came and went pretty damn fast. Yes. So, um, when you guys met, was there a lot of chemistry? you know, was it like you were at first, you were like, not really interested. Cause you know, there's some stories okay. where someone's like right. right under your nose and you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on, Hey, right. they're supposed to say you end up marrying. Oh, <laughs> uh, you ready for this tea? Um, so he, <laughs> yeah, there was chemistry pretty much right away. So okay. I met Chris, I met Chris in 2010. Um, my husband's name is Chris, by the way, or shade, as I like to call him, um, Chris shade. I just call him shade. Um, so I met him in 2010 when I um, went to Bowling Green just to kind of tour the university. A mentor took me up there and was like, come with me to homecoming. It'll be a good time. You know, we'll walk around. I'll show you the campus. I'm like, cool. You know, let me see if this is where I want to go to grad school. So I went up there in 2010, um, toured the campus, loved it, all that great stuff. My mentor and I went out for dinner and some drinks later on in the day. And he looked at me and he was like, cool. Some of the guys I used to advise um, here at the university, they're going to come through. They're, they're all graduated now, but like, they're just going to come through, hang out, get a drink. It's okay. like, cool. Sounds great. Um, in walks Chris Shade. And I immediately look at my mentor and I'm like, who's this? <laughs> who's man? Who's sexy ass man is this? And why I is his jawline so good? Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm really confused. And, and who is this? And he, you know, immediately looks at me, he's like, he's like, oh, that's Shade. That's Chris Shade. I was like, I, I need more information than that. Um, so Chris and I sat for about six hours that night and just talked about wow. life. We talked about we talked about everything from career to aspirations to passions to drive to motivations to I mean everything. Um, wow. I felt like by the time I left, we were great friends. And um, so yeah, the the crazy part is is that we both left that conversation and went back to these relationships that we were in. So Chris wow. and I didn't talk for another year after that uh, after that very long conversation. Even though, you know, I called all my best friends and was like, I just met this really hot guy named Chris Shade. He's amazing. He's dating somebody. I'm dating somebody. This sucks. Uh, which is kind of a red flag for me. Like, I should probably break up with the person that I'm, I'm dating. So I did that. Um, that next 
year in 2011, 2011, um, I was a student at Bowling Green and he came back for homecoming and we literally ran into each other at a bar. Um, and we kind of just hit it off again. We talked the whole night. The next day we hung out all day. We talked all night. We like just had a great time together. And two weeks later, um, he came back to Bowling Green and took me on our first date. So he lived, already lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so for the majority of our courtship of our beginning of our relationship, we were long distance. Um, I, I was in school in Ohio and he lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so we really, um, enjoyed the time we got to spend together (laughs) in all ways and shapes and forms. Um, (laughs) when we, when we did get to see each other, because it was rare that we did and we got to spend time together. And so, um, I'm a believer that that long distance really set us up for trust, communication, and really just enjoying time together. Because, you know, sometimes you take that for granted when you get to see each other every day or whatever it is. And so, so yeah, so we officially started, I guess, kind of dating in 2011, got married in 2014. And yeah, here we are today in 2019, living our crazy little life that we have in Charlotte. Yes. And Charlotte is so beautiful. Um, as you stated, you know, that's where you met Woody. Um, and I went to Charlotte, I think twice, and it is so pretty up there. Um, I love it. It's I a know, great it's city. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. If anybody listening lives in Charlotte, hit me up. Let me know how we can hang out, all that good stuff. <laughs> but if you're not from Charlotte, you sh- should probably come visit. It's a, yes. It's a, it's it's a city gorgeous. of fun and beauty. That is mm-hmm. for sure. Definitely. So we, we got to the point of, you you know, you, you got married, but let's back up a little. How sure. did Chris propose? Woo! <laughs> um, yes, that's a thing that happened at some point in there. Um, yes. So we, um, that summer, between my first and second year of grad school, 2011, um, going into 2012, uh, I moved town to Charlotte for a year for the for the summer. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had lived with a boyfriend previously, um, and it just didn't work out. And I realized it didn't work out because we lived together. And so, okay. I was kind of in a place of like, you know what? If I think this guy could be the one, I need to make sure that I can actually live with him and cohabitate with him, and that he's a good roommate. Um, because you know, let's have an honest moment. Sometimes we've all been dating somebody and we're like, they're the one and you spend a long week with them and you're like, they're not the one. Like they're <laughs> dirty, they're messy, they're crazy. I can't handle it. I can't handle yes. it. And so I knew I needed to spend a little bit more time with him than what we had been just being long distance. And so the summer of 2012, I moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina just to kind of spend some time and hang out in the city. And again, it's a beautiful city, so why not? Um, and while I was here, um, we just started having real life conversations about Mm -hmm. marriage and about kids and about all of these things that we hoped from each other's lives. And I kind of knew at that point that he was going to be the guy I was going to marry. I just didn't know what that was going to look like or when we had already met each other's families, everything else. And so we had been dating since November, 2011. This was July, 2012. Um, And we took a trip down to Charleston, South Carolina, which for him is a, a huge place. He, his sister went to school there. So he grew up going there often. Um, the fraternity that he's a member of was founded there. And so we kind of have that Greek connection as well. Okay. Uh, but we went down there, we went down to Charleston and um, he took me to Angel Oak, which is one of the oldest oak trees this side of the Mississippi. It is huge and giant and just gorgeous. And 
just the story of this tree and everything it's gone through is is completely amazing and and beautiful mm-hmm. and he stood there and gave me this feel that i i probably should have and in hindsight wish i paid more attention to because yeah. i was like why are you be why are you being sweet right now like i'm trying to see this tree i'm trying to walk around and be one with nature like <laughs> i'll see you later like what are we doing right and so but you know he he gave me this conversation and this talk about you know how this tree represents so much of life and life is going to go through ups and downs and it's going to go through everything, but it's, it's consistent and it's, it's there and it's, it's true to its foundation and its form. And he said, the last time he was there, he said the next time he, he showed up to Angel Oak, he wanted to make sure it was with someone that meant the world to him and that he could see a few, that he could see a future with. And the line that I knew he was proposing, he said, and I want that future to start right now. And I kind of had this moment like, Oh shit, what, 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 what? (laughs) Um, and then he just dropped down to a knee and I just remember staring at him like, oh, 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 this is, oh, okay. This is happening. Um, right. This is happening. So he proposed, you know, the whole, the full name, the full legal name, like, oh my. You know, I love you. I want, right. The full legal name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he had to put that out there. Like, you know, I want to spend my life with you. I want our life to be rooted in such a foundation of love and trust and patience and grace and just like all these amazing things, um, will you marry me? And I probably waited for what him felt like forever. Um, for me, it was maybe, you know, two seconds, five seconds, something right. like that. But of course, immediately said yes. Um, and then we got to celebrate in Charleston for the weekend together. Wow. Um, and kind of kept it our secret for a few days, which was really cool just to have that moment between us of like, we're engaged. Okay, yes. cool. This is awesome. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. That I is this, so I beautiful. I awesome smile on my face after telling that story yeah i love talking about proposals because it's it's a moment in life that like marks you you know what i mean like it's a transition absolutely hey this is where i'm i am and i'm about to change my whole world you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm um so that is so amazing and i love hearing um how people got proposed to i think it's sweet yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that's a valid point, right? Of like, this is this is a marker in your life of things are going to be forever different. Yes, because yes, you're yes. you're doing life with someone at that so, point. Yes. It's not just you. It's not selfish. It's it's us. It's, it's this. It's yes. It's the bigger picture. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally, totally beautiful. So let's get into um, how long your infertility season um, was. I think we we're talking about this prior to recording that, you know, there's some people who don't want to conceive right away. And there's others, it's like, right, you know, wet, right when the wedding ceremony is done, the reception is done, they're ready to <laughs> right. have a baby. You know what I mean? But everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their, mm-hmm. uh, you know, life goals, life plans, their agenda, their timeline. Totally, so totally. You, so, yes, we want to know kind of yeah. what, what was your thoughts and your ideas around this? Yep. Mm-hmm. I had goals, I had plans, I had career aspirations, I had travel aspirations, more importantly, <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. Um, and so Chris and I both, you know, I knew that I did not want to have kids right away. And mm-hmm. he told me on, you know, one of our first couple dates, like, oh, I'm ready. Whenever it happens, I'm ready. And mm-hmm. and I was like, whoa, 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 pump brakes. Like, I don't, <laughs> kids are a lot. Like, that's a lot to process that let's get a dog. Like, let's start there. Yeah, and build up. Ease our, ease our way into this, right? Like, let's ease our way into this. And to be very honest with you, it took me a while to convince myself that I wanted kids. Mm. Um, I don't know that I wanted kids right away. It was one of those things of, 
you know, I, I like being selfish with my life, real talk, you know, if we're going to be honest in this, right? Like, let's be honest in this. I appreciated being selfish. I appreciated being able to pick up and go and do what I needed to do or, or whatever it was, spend my money, how I wanted to spend my money, um, all of these sorts of things. And so I think for me, it took some time to say, okay, I'm ready to do this whole kid thing. I want to have kids. I want to be a mom. I want that identity. Um, and I also think too, for me, it took a long time to be okay with adding a new identity yes. into who I am as a woman, because as women, especially we spend so much of our lives being okay with who we are and, yeah. and learning to come to terms with all of these aspects that make us us. And I think I finally felt that way. And then I was like, oh, okay, let's add a new identity into this of mom. And, and how do I learn how to be a partner and a mom and how do I learn to be a mom and a career woman and how do I learn Mm -hmm. to be somebody who wants to travel and be a mom and so those things really scared me and honestly still do scare me a little bit um and so I knew I wanted to wait uh for me the big marker was number one on my bucket list has always been to go to Africa wow I've wanted to go to Africa since I was I was four years old um I've knew I've known I've wanted to go for forever and I told Chris you know this is this is the trip of a lifetime for me. This is the trip that I will not compromise on. I want to go. I want to go all out, all that sort of thing. He's like, okay, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And so three years into our marriage, we went to, we went to Africa. So in 2017, during the summer, we went to four different countries, wow. um, South Africa, uh, Swaziland, Zimbabwe, and Botswana, and got to see the country in such a cool way and got to do all the things I wanted to do. And see the big five and have cultural experiences and taste food and talk to people and just kind of really fall in love with, with everything all of su- the Southern part of Africa has to offer. Um, so much so that I've, I've joked with him. I'm like, when are we going back? When are we going back? And he's like, yes. there's so much more of the world to see. And mm. I'm like, what Zimbabwe though? Like, come on. It's, it's cool. It's great. Um, so yeah. So about three years in, um, you know, I said, this is it. This is the trip I want to take. And so when we got back, um, I finally, I think I've come to terms with, you know what, I think I'm ready to try to add this new identity in. Let's, let's mm-hmm. see what that looks like. And so um, I told him, I was like, I think I'm going to stop taking birth control. I think I'm going to, you know, let's, let's see what happens. And he was like, okay, you know, it could take six months. It could take a year. It could, you know, we could have some speed bumps, um, which we did. And that's okay. Um, but we, we did hit some of those speed bumps. And so we started trying to conceive in 2017. Okay. Um, and in 20. 18 the summer of 2018 is when we realized things were a little bit different things were were changing for us pretty quickly Mm -hmm. wow so were there any complications that you had um along the way any challenges because you know if you're going to the doctor they're running all these tests and sometimes it's situations where they come back and say you know it's unexplained infertility there's nothing physically wrong with you um so you know along the way what complications did you face um sure. with trying yeah. to conceive yeah so um for me this dates back uh, a little bit um i am a survivor of sexual assault i'm a survivor wow. of sexual trauma and so for me um that part of my identity is still something i process and still something i i sometimes uh, have to come to terms with but when uh, I went to the doctor after I um, came out about my assault, you know, she said, there could be a chance that your body carries this in different ways. Mm. There's this amazing book called Your Body Carries the Score. And it's really all about how your body handles 
receives and carries trauma in different ways. And so that could be sexual trauma. That could be trauma with, with infant loss or infertility. That could be trauma from um, an abusive situation, an abusive parent, an abusive spouse, an abusive whatever, right? right? So it's just different ways your body carries trauma. And she said, you know, I encourage you to read this book, but I also, you know, I want you to be prepared that sometimes your body without even realizing it could carry this trauma in a very different way. Wow. And I just said, okay, so I don't, I don't know if I really understood what that meant until I started trying to have a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Until we started trying to conceive. So we started trying to conceive again that summer of 2017, six months went by, nothing. Three more months went by, nothing. Three more months went by, nothing. And so we were at about the year mark where, you know, we weren't getting anywhere. And, and I was just kind of like, you know, maybe we need to see somebody. Maybe we need to talk to somebody a little bit more about this. And, you know, I don't know if it's the, the trauma of my sexual assault or if it's, it's how I carry that. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could tell something was just kind of different. So we went into the doctor and it was just kind of, you know, unexplained. Like, we don't know what's going on. Your blood work looks okay. Your mm-hmm. test results came back normal. Um, you know, your, your uterus is shaped fine or whatever it was. And so we just said, okay, well, let's just keep trying, you know, let's keep trying. We both, um, we both have a faith. We believe in a higher power. And so we prayed and we just kind of were like, you know, what is going on? What is going on? What is going on? And finally, um, July of 2018, um, we got pregnant, uh, which was wonderful and it was great. And we were excited. Um, but some things kind of started to happen pretty quickly um, that I wasn't sure what was going on. The doctors weren't even sure what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so we went from, I went from finding out I was pregnant um, at about eight weeks to at about 12 weeks, starting to experience what I thought was a miscarriage. Um, And it was just kind of, it just hit all of a sudden really quick. We went to the doctor on a Friday, that Saturday morning, I woke up uh, and, and was, was hemorrhaging and mm-hmm. had no idea what was happening and no idea what was going on. And, um, I remember looking at Chris, you know, sitting on the toilet, looking at Chris being like, what is happening to my body? Yes. And he was like, let's go, let's go to the doctor. Let's go to urgent care. Let's, let's go get it handled. Um, and so we went to, um, there's an urgent care in Charlotte that is specifically for OBGYN needs. And so we went there, which is amazing. Um, women's health shout out, yes, it's an amazing definitely. place to be able to go. Right. So we went there um, and they were like, you know, we're not really sure, but here's some pamphlets. Here's some information about a miscarriage. And I remember being like, are you kidding me? Like, seriously, you're going to hand me paper and and say, we don't really know. Go see your doctor on Monday. Here's some paperwork. So needless to say, you know, the next 36 hours were nothing but tears and and struggle and not sure what was happening. Um, But I went to the doctor on Monday. They took my blood work. They did an ultrasound, all this sort of stuff. And there was a heartbeat. Okay. Um, they, and, and I was like, okay, so, so what's going on? And they were like, well, you're, you're still pregnant. You know, sometimes, you know, the way your body works, you can get your period or, or these other things happen. And I'm like, yes. well, you know, this is, these, these are the things that people need to prepare you for. for they never talk about it. Not <laughs> ever, ever. And I'm like, how am I supposed to know this nonsense? Right? Like, I don't know. This is, you know, it's, it's usually mm-hmm. one plus one equals two. We've been trying to have one plus one equals two or three for, mm-hmm. you know, the last year, year and a half, what's going on and, and all this sort of stuff. So um, we uh, went to the, when we went to the doctor, they, um, you know, said there's still herpes there. It this still looks promising, you know, let's, let's take your blood again on Wednesday and see what happens. I'm like, mm-hmm. great. 
so two days goes by. We're hopeful. We're nervous, but we're hopeful, optimistic. Go in Wednesday. They take my blood. They're like, we'll call you tomorrow with the results. I'm like, great. I'm getting on a plane at 8 a.m. to go do life in a, in a different state. Um, I was going up to Cleveland um, for some girl time and to go to the Beyonce concert because I needed to go to the Beyonce concert. <laughs> and on the run, too, shout out. Like, yes. Um, go there. And then I was going to Chicago for um, – fun as well and so you know the next morning I got on the plane I went and saw some of my girlfriends and uh, I remember getting the call from the doctor and she was like Bonnie you know good news um your your hormone levels are increasing so that means that that you're still pregnant there's still a baby in there like this is exciting this is great stuff I was like oh my gosh such a relief this is wonderful yes awesome I'm excited right I remember calling Chris being like, I'm still pregnant. Like, this is still a thing. We're still going to be parents. You know, let's start planning. Let's start thinking. Good. Let's start, let's start getting excited. Um, and then, uh, you know, the doctor was like, still, I want you to get your blood checked one more time. I know you're out of state. I need you to go get your blood checked out of state. I was like, what, what, when am I supposed to go do that? Um, went to a lab, a random lab corp station, got my blood drawn again. Same thing, right? The blood work came back we're excited. This is good news. Your, your hormones are increasing. Okay. Now we can really get excited. This is awesome. I'm pregnant. We told my parents, we told his parents, um, all that sort of stuff. And then I was on a work trip Mm -hmm. in Florida. I was actually visiting my best friend, which is a godsend in hindsight. Um, visiting my, visiting my best friend in Florida. And the doctor called me again and was like, you know, Bonnie, I was sitting here thinking about you and I was looking at your blood work and I was looking at everything. Your hormone levels are increasing, but they're not increasing at the level we would like to see. Mm. Can you go get your blood drawn one more time? I was like, sure. Went and got my blood drawn. Um, and she came, she called me back within hours, which I knew something was, was different. Right. She called me back within hours and was like, so your blood work is still, your blood is still, the hormones are, are good. They're increasing, but, they're not doubling the way they should. Yes. I was like, I don't know what that means. Like, like speak to me like I'm a third grader. I don't know what that means. What do you mean doubling like they should? You know, am I pregnant? Am I not? She's like, well, you're pregnant, but I think it's an ectopic pregnancy. Wow. And I immediately pulled out my phone. I'm like, what the hell is an ectopic pregnancy? I don't know what that Google's means. Google's not your friend um, in these instances. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's not <laughs> at all. Because I remember Googling and sitting in my friend's living room being like, I could die. Like, this, yeah. this is... I could die, right? And that's what you see and that's what you hear. And you're 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 stressed, you're scared, you're mm-hmm. overwhelmed, you're anxious. There's a million emotions that go through your head. Um, and she but the doctor, you know, continued to talk and she was like, You have two options. Number one, you can go to an an uh emergency room, but you're in Florida. Your insurance is probably not gonna cover that emergency room cost because you're out of state. Mm-hmm. Or two, you could get on a plane and come home and I'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. Um, mind you, again, I told you I'm a public speaker. So I was supposed to be on a plane to Alabama the next morning to go speak, um, to a university about some, some topics. And so, um, I was like, okay, you know, I need to, I need to do this. I need to handle this. Um, here's what I need to do. Uh, and I remember asking the doctor, what are my options? And she kind of paused and she was like, this is serious. Like, this is not just a, oh, you're pregnant, you're not pregnant, you're pregnant, you're not pregnant, like, this is a big deal, Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, she told me, basically, as if, if this embryo 
which it was weird to hear it referred to as an embryo in the first place. If this embryo continues to increase in size in your fallopian tube, um, it could rupture your fallopian tube yes. and we may have to take out half of your reproductive organ. Yes. Or it could kill you. And I, I immediately was like, oh, I was not prepared to process that. So thankfully, my best friend was there with me to, to be able to start to process it and, and say, you know, what do I need to do? And she got on the phone to cancel my rental car in my hotel. And I got on the phone to make a, a plane adjustment um, to get back to Charlotte. And so when I got back to Charlotte, my mom picked me up from the airport. Um, one of my best friends uh, was at my house just hanging out with my dogs, waiting till I got home just to check on me and make sure I was good. And I remember just walking into the house and falling to the floor and just crying because yeah. I had no idea what my body was doing. I had no idea what was happening or how how could God let this happen, right? How yes. could this unfold the way it was unfolding? Um and so I went to the doctor the next morning and she said, you know, we're going to, we're really going to look, we're going to see where this, this embryo is. And I remember looking at the the screen, the ultrasound screen, and sure enough, it was in my, in my tubes. And so uh, then the bad news was not done being given to me. She said, you know, you have two options now at this point, now that we know where this is, your body will either a pass this on its own or B we have to give you chemo shots in order to get rid of the embryo. Mm -hmm. uh, and she gave me this big pamphlet about the chemo shots I would have to take and what that was going to look like. And, um, you know, she spoke, but I don't think I heard her. I wasn't listening, so to speak, when she was speaking after I heard, you know, this embryo will pass or chemo shots. Because at yes. that point in my mind, there was no longer a baby. It right. was bad, quote unquote, bad cells that had to get out of my body in one way, shape or form. Mm. Um, and so processing that was difficult. And, and I was, you know, not prepared to process that. Chris at the time was in Washington, D.C. for a business trip that he could not miss. Um, and so, you know, he kept asking, do you want me to come home? Do you want me to come home? Do you want me to come home? And, you know, as, as much as I would have liked him to be there, he didn't need to be there. And right. I think for me in that moment, I just needed to process things on my own, right? Mm -hmm. I think it was the most weird, it was the weirdest thing to know that I felt isolated, but I wanted to be alone yes. in that moment, right? Yes. Like there was no other feeling besides this is me in this world and it's collapsing and I don't want anyone else here with me while it collapses. Right. Um, and so that's just kind of where I was with it. Um, so that morning in the doctor's office, they did a betadine scrub of my cervix to make sure that there was nothing, nothing still in my cervix. Um, and, and, you know, I just waited on the doctor to tell me, you know, your hormone levels are dropping again. You don't need the chemo shots. And so they drew more blood. I went back the next morning, they drew some more blood. My hormone levels started to drop. And so she said, you know, at this point, I think you're good. You're in the clear. Um, the embryo has passed. And okay. I'm like, okay okay like how do I hit restart on something that you don't ever think you're going to have to hit a restart button right. On? right like we hear about all these things we talk to, to people about like oh yeah I just got pregnant like it's a magic wishing machine <laughs> um, and there's like I wish to get pregnant and the genie's like bing you're pregnant great um that's not how it is a lot of times right. for a lot of people and so I grieved for a very long time I grieved probably for about six months until I felt like I was ready to try again. Okay. Um, and during that time, I was mad. I was upset. I was angry. I was, like I said earlier, I was mad at God. 
which I think, you know, this is something that I prayed for and said, you know, God, I want to be ready. Make me ready. Help me be ready. Help me feel prepared for what this looks like. And finally, I felt prepared. And, you know, I remember somebody giving me the analogy of for anyone that, that has a faith base, maybe you'll get this, maybe you won't, I don't know. But um, somebody gave me the analogy of when you're a little kid and you're just mad at your mom and you're just standing over them or like on them and you're just beating on their stomach or on their legs and crying and your mom is just like wrapping her arms around you like it's okay yeah you're just mad you just want to be mad that's how I felt with God right Mm -hmm. like I felt that way like I asked you for this you gave this to me you brought me to this place you told me to stand you told me to walk I started walking and now I'm drowning right uh and and how am I supposed to not drown anymore that's so real um And so, yeah, so that whole process was completely wild and crazy and jarring. And, and, and that is, that's kind of the, the place that I realized, you know, okay, like I, at least I know I want to be a mom. Um, It's kind of the, the silver lining I had from that. If there, if there was silver lining, but I'm an optimistic, optimistic person. And I really try to, to embody that. And so that was kind of where I was at that point of, okay, I want to be a mom and I'm ready to add that identity. And if it's not right now, maybe it can be soon. Maybe it can be later. Maybe it can be whenever. But, um, you know, that was the point of learning more about my body and learning to ask different questions when it came to infertility and when it came to miscarriages and when it came to struggling to get pregnant and stay pregnant. Yes, definitely. Um, So you talked a little bit about your friends that were there. Um, What did your support system look like? Like, who was there? Um, you said you had like a six month period of basically grieving, um, who was like part of your support system, your crew or what have you, that kind of helped you totally. push through, uh, the season. Right. Those ride or dies. Those yes. ride or dies are, are the realest, the realest. Um, luckily I have a partner who is empathetic and loving and full of grace. And so Chris, every night just let me lay in his arms and cry yeah that's what I needed to do right that's just what I needed to do to process and so he was my biggest support hands down um he would listen when I when I talked he would sit there in silence when I just wanted to sit in silence and um you know I know that he kind of grieved in his own way too um through that and I think for him you know and I don't know if this was on the on last week with what Woody was talking about but I know it's hard for your partner to see you in pain, in grief, yes. in complete misery, right? Like that wears on them as well. And, so, and they can't do anything about it, you know? Right, right, right. He wanted to fix it. He wanted to be the man that, that was like, no, I got this. I'm going to, I got you, babe. Like, let's rally, let's ride, let's go. Like, come on. And we were on a hard break, right? Like the emergency break was up. The car was not going anywhere. Like mm-hmm. we were just paused. And so, um, you know, he is, he is the best human he could have possibly have been in that moment. And so he was absolutely there for me. Uh, My mom lives in Charlotte, so she lives here. And so she was, you know, there for me, driving me to the hospital, taking me to the the doctors, um, just sitting with me, waiting with me. Um, And, you know, I think she was grieving too in her own way. This was her first grandchild. And so, you know, she needed some moments too. And so I think her being around me allowed her to process in a way that she needed to process. and I do have a great group of friends here that, you know, just kind of would say, hey, like, are you good? Like, do you need to talk? Do you need to sit in silence? What do mm-hmm. you need? Yes. Was a lot of the question. Um, but, you know, there were some people that just were not like, 
not not compassionate about mm-hmm. it. Or maybe they were compassionate for, you know, one to two weeks and then later on down the road it was like, Oh well, you know, what about this or what about that? Or what are you and Chris, you know, having a baby Enjoy. or yes. whatever? And it's like okay. I don't know how to answer that. You know what I mean? Like yes. I don't I don't know how to answer that. It's kind of you nod and smile and say, Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. Um but I think, you know, across the board again, because no one talks about infertility, no one talks about this thing. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to respond when someone says, I've had a miscarriage. I struggle with infertility. Mm-hmm. I have to do IVF. We don't know what to say. We don't know how to support. We don't know what to do simply because then it's like, okay, you know, this is uncomfortable for me. No one likes to be uncomfortable. So, so how do I respond? Right. Um, and so I think a lot of it was just me talking to my friends and opening their eyes to it a little bit more too of, right, you know, you may not be going through this now, but you might at some point um, and know that I'm here for you and know that I support you and whatever that looks like. But yeah, I think it's, you know, this is not something people talk about. And so people don't know how to react fully or appropriately sometimes Yeah, and when you tell them this has happened. Some of the comments that were, were you know, made, um, and Woody and I have really done a good uh, job of like talking about this throughout um, our episodes and dealing with infertility and dealing with loss Mm -hmm. that sometimes people don't know what to say and they think they're helping or they think they're, you know, encouraging, but the comments are hurtful, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So did you experience any like hurtful comments or, you know, people thinking they're saying the right thing and it's like, Oh no, don't say that, you know? (laughs) Uh, right right I mean yes and of course they're all like well-intentioned right right like like the comments of oh well at least you know you can get pregnant and I'm like yeah but that doesn't make me feel better right like that makes me feel like okay cool but dot 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 right like oh well at least at least you can get pregnant like that's the one that for me was just like the okay great yes. sure yep or oh well everything happens for a reason you know what mm-hmm. you can take that everything happens for a reason and shove it straight up whatever <laughs> the hell you need to because this is some bullshit and yes. i can't deal with the every everything happens for a reason no you know who, who gets that dumb people who get tattoos on their i don't know whatever right like yes i can't i can't with the everything happens for a reason yes. uh or maybe it just wasn't your time mm-hmm. um like those sorts of things that you're like okay or people who just don't know. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people, Chris and I live our life very out loud and we have a great friend group and we are very transparent. So I think a lot of people um, would just ask, you know, oh, well, when are you and Chris going to have kids? Not knowing Correct. that that we're going through this, this season of our life of, of loss and tragedy yes. and not understanding what could be next. Um, and so I think some of those things, right, it's just people wanting to be, in the know or wanting to be supportive or wanting to say, you know, everything happens for a reason, Bonnie, like, it'll be fine. Like you could try again tomorrow. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not how the body works. Right? But like, thanks. Blessings. <laughs> right. Right. You can try again tomorrow. Like, I don't know if you fully understand the difficulty <laughs> that ectopic pregnancy had and, or right. And, or the chances of getting pregnant, you know, the this one day a month ovulation. that you can or whatever it is. <laughs> Like blessings, but again, you don't talk about this stuff when right. you when you're when you're trying to conceive, right? You don't talk about this beforehand. We spend so much of our lives trying not to get pregnant, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're telling our bodies like, "Hey, okay, let's do this thing that I've never asked you to do." Yes. 
but we but then you know there are complications and there are issues but we've never tried that so of course we don't know about those complications or issues or Mm -hmm. even how to have the dialogue or discussion around it definitely so take me through the transition of you've gone through this six month you know grieving period and then now you know in the beginning of your your podcast we're now celebrating the fact that you have a one month your old baby you know yes yes so yes, tell yes. me baby you know Lucy. tell me how did we get to this point <laughs> uh, you know when a man loves a woman no, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. and you look as good as Chris Shade looks hey oh, goodness. um so I for me like I said right I had to grieve I had to process I had to be okay with opening up my body and my mind and my heart um yeah. to try and get pregnant again this was not something for me that was easy in the beginning to say let's add this identity of mom into, into my world. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when I had a miscarriage, I was, you know, I really struggled with just, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this is done. Maybe this is whatever. I also struggle with failure though. For me, failure yeah, is my yeah. biggest fear. And I felt like I had failed. Like, like failure is, I would, I would get bit by a shark before I feel like I would fail, <laughs> right? Like real yeah. talk. Like I am not good with failure. And I felt like I had failed. And so I didn't know if I wanted to try again. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I looked at my husband and looked at my life and looked internally and said, you know what? Like, I want this representation of love. I want mm-hmm. this external, beautiful thing. Um, and I don't know how we're going to get there. And that might be through IVF. That might be through adoption. That might be through so many different things. But right. um, let's work on a little life. Let's figure that out and what that looks like. And mm-hmm. so um, really in you know, later in 2018, beginning of 2019, we started trying again. And um, luckily, you know, it, it worked. I hate to say it as simple as, you know, it worked. Um, But yeah, we, um, we, I found out I was pregnant in February. um, Mm -hmm. And Lucy came into the world in September, September 16th. So she literally today, she is is her month. It is her one month anniversary. I'm not going to say birthday. That's weird. But one month anniversary of being a living human. So, um, yeah, it is, it was crazy. It was wild. It was, it was different. Um, but I will not lie to you. It took me a long time to be excited about being pregnant. Yeah. I kept waiting for the bad news. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. I kept waiting and I did not get excited about, about being pregnant until probably like the third trimester. Wow. Um, because I, I was just nervous. I was mm-hmm. scared. I knew in the first trimester, something could happen. Right. But yes. then for me, I was like, well, what, what about the second trimester? Like something could happen then too, or, or yes. you know, something could, could come up or, I don't know, you know, and so I, Chris, I think, finally sat me down at one point and was like, you're allowed to be excited, but you're also allowed to be scared. I was yes. like, I, I am more scared than excited, but I'll let you know when excitement kicks in. Yeah. Um, and really, the third trimester, when I realized, like, okay, this human is coming, I need to, you know, buy a crib and a <laughs> And be prepared and, to welcome them. And be a little bit, right, like, I need diapers in the house and things yes. like that. So, um, I think for me, right, like, that was some of the aftermath of that is, yes, I was, I was pregnant, but I did not allow myself to get excited about it mm. for a while. Um, and, you know, I think some, I joked often with my friends of like, I feel like you're more excited about me being pregnant than I am. Yeah. And they would kind of laugh, but, you know, Chris would check on me and be like, you meant that, didn't you? And I was like, mm-hmm. absolutely. I meant that. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I don't know how to process that or handle yes. that. And so, 
Um, so yeah, we, we kept, uh, we kept the fact that we were pregnant to ourselves, um, until the second trimester. And then we told our families. Um, but really I just did not want to live that season out loud. Like we did the first time and just in case something happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So any women who have struggled with infertility or, and, and now have a baby, or maybe you, maybe you understand that maybe that makes sense to you. Um, but I think, you know, for me, it was really just, I was guarded and I had my walls up. Uh, because I did not want to fail again. And I, I wanted this to be a viable pregnancy and to be successful. And, you know, luckily it is. And Lucy's as much as I'm losing sleep, she's wonderful <laughs> and beautiful and great. Yeah. I, I enjoy doing life with a tiny human at this point. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. And I think that's always a question I, I would, you know, wanted to ask, you know, women who have um, suffered a pregnancy loss, mi- miscarriage or infant loss, um, is that process, you know, that nine month process of being pregnant, how it is, because like you said, you're kind of walking on eggshells, you have mm-hmm. fear, um, you want to be excited, but you're also terrified. Um, and I, I know a lot of women, they didn't get excited until, you know, you, you had, um, your loss at 12 weeks, but some people, you know, it's like at 16 weeks or what have you, they have their right. loss at 20 weeks or what have you. And they're like walking on eggshells for that period of their pregnancy. Um, and it's, it's really, it's sad, but it's something that is real. It's, it's a, it's a fact, you know? Right. Um, because, I almost feel like it's a self-preservation yes. in a way, right? For, yeah. for me, selfishly for me, I went through a trauma a, a different type of trauma than what I've ever experienced before, mm-hmm. right? And so going through that trauma, I needed to self-preserve in case that happened again. I needed yes. to have my walls up and be guarded in case that happened again. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, honestly, what I would have done if that happened again, right? Yeah. I think I probably would have said, you know what? I don't know if this is it. I don't know if this is the time. We can look into adoption. We can look into other things. But I don't know if I could have handled that again. Yes. Um, you know, and so I think that there was just a self-preservation thing for me. Um, but I can imagine that, that other women probably feel the same way of Definitely. like, you know, this is, my walls are up for a reason. I need to allow them to be up and just be okay with this. And I'm yes. going to go through the motions until I know I can be excited and I'll let my walls down a little bit. Yeah. And so, I think also yeah. on the other, the flip side of that, people need to be understanding um, mm. of the fact that if people choose to keep their pregnancy, um, a quote unquote, you know, secret, for whatever mm-hmm. time period and not take offense you know what i mean because there's so um much emotions that go through uh our minds as we're going through this season you know what i mean and um sometimes people you know they want you to they want to they like you said they want to be in the know they want to be like the first two right. you know but um i really appreciate the fact that you stated you know you waited a while before telling people um, and, you know, hopefully those individuals respected the fact that, you know, you waited, you know, that time period that when you and your, um, husband felt comfortable enough to say it, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. It's being pregnant, getting pregnant, the process of that is no one else's business but your own. Yes, um, agreed. You know, and, and how you get there and what that looks like for you, that's up to you, right? Mm-hmm. Like some people assume that they're, is a partner on the other end of pregnancy. You know what? You don't even need that. Like you, you need a cell is what you need. Um, And so there are other ways that people can get pregnant. So 
I think there's just such a societal stigma and societal stereotype of what a pregnancy looks like, what a pregnancy should look like, that anything outside of that is abnormal. Mm-hmm. And that abnormality is, is difficult, again, difficult to process, difficult to work through, because we don't talk about the abnormality. We talk about the societal norm. Yes. And that societal norm is there is, there is a, a couple usually a married couple and they have sex and they get pregnant and they have a baby and they live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the societal norm. And the crazy part is, is that's not even the norm. The norm is what we're talking about. The norm is, you know, the fact that we have an infant, uh, an infant loss and infertility months, right? Like this is, this is what this is. The normal is, but we don't talk about it because it's uncomfortable right. and it's different. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think, you know, anything that challenges that societal standard is, is really what we need to be having that conversation more on. Yes, definitely. Um, and, you know, I've said this before on the podcast and I've put it out on, on social media before and it's, and, and it gives you some context and, and um, realization of how many people go through this is one in eight of your friends struggle to conceive, one in four have lost a baby. Um, yep. And when you think about that, you know, you, you think about your circle of friends, you think about your family, um, you know, there's people around you that have experienced it. And sometimes they've spoken about it and other times they have not, you know, and so you're not aware. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my hope is that we become a little bit more sensitive as it relates to this topic. So Bonnie, where are you now? You have a one month old. Um, How are you feeling? You said you're, you're, you're not really getting that much sleep, which is uh, understandable. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you feeling now going through what you went through and where you are now? You know, I am in a place of grace, mm-hmm. um, and and that has just been a word that has been a part of my marriage and a part of my life, I feel like, for a very long time, and, you know, I am showing myself grace um, yes. as a new mom, and on days where I get frustrated, but then I look down at this little face, and I'm like, you know what, like, I need to be, I need to count my blessings in this moment of you completely losing your shit, and you just crying and screaming, because there are are people who would, would, you know, do anything for this. And and I need to be thankful in that. And I need to show grace to her, um, to my daughter. I need to show grace to myself and in moments of, you know, what am I doing? How did I get here? All those things. I need to show grace to my husband. Um, But I think overall, just the theme of grace has Mm -hmm. been, uh, been huge, you know, because I, and, and joy as well. I think joy is another word, right. That I, I do not take lightly, um, I do my best to find joy in every aspect of this because getting here was not easy and know. getting here was, was grief and getting here was sadness and getting here was loss. And um, I will not forget the road, but I am excited and, and ready to be willing to look ahead of what joy and what grace look like in my life. And now in our, our life is a little family of three. Yes. Amazing. Um, I really, really appreciate you sharing your story and just being open and transparent um, during your time with me. Um, And my hopes is that um, someone will glean something from this episode, glean something from your your story, your experience, and know um, there is a rainbow at the end of the storm, you know, and Absolutely. you are looking at your rainbow baby. And so I am so happy for you. 
Um, thank you. Your thank transition, you, thank you. your story and how it's just inspirational to other people who are um, going through the season, including myself. And so thank you so much for your time and um, being transparent. So how can we connect with you? How can we connect with you Absolutely. on social media or what have you? Yes. I mean, social media is always the best way, right? Yes. It's the easiest way. Holler mm -hmm. at me on the on, on the social media in the DMs. Um, <laughs> my social media handle on all accounts is Bonnie Shade BB, B-O-N-N-Y-S-H-A-D-E-B-B, -B, two Bs, the letter B, um, as in boss babe. Hey. Uh, that's also my email address, BonnieShadeBB at gmail.com. Or you can look me up on my website, BonnieShade.com. So there you go. Awesome. So thank you again, Bonnie, for um, being on the Infertility Podcast. I'm going to have all of your um, handles for your social media in the show notes in case people want to follow you and get to know you and connect with you a little bit um, outside of what we've discussed today. Um, so again, thank you so, so much. And thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister. Or you can visit my website, which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.